0: Welcome to The Josh Ryan Show, a weekly podcast where I sit down and chat with highly successful digital entrepreneurs, experts, and creators to uncover their stories, secrets, and lessons that they've learned along the way to help you with your own projects. Let's get into today's interview. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, we have got Michael Gardner, who is joining us from Thailand, and he is the founder of done for you meetings, the fymeetings.com, which is a digital email agency uh, that he runs remotely whilst traveling the world. Welcome to the podcast, man. Pleasure to have you.
1: thanks for having me here.
0: No worries. So pretty much I start all the podcasts by just going into a little bit about your story, like what got you started in the world of entrepreneurship, pretty much.
1: Sure. So I started back in 2015 kind of as an accident, and I think that's pretty typical for most people. And the way I actually fell into entrepreneurship is a lot different than what I do now. So when I first got into entrepreneurship, I started with actually growing themed Instagram pages, kind of going to influence the route with working with companies, selling promotions and, you know, helping other companies find other pages to get promoted. So that's kind of how I fell into it. And initially I started that not meaning to make money, just literally growing Instagram pages for like a fun challenge uh, in high school. And sure enough, I realized I could make pretty good money doing that to the point where it didn't make sense to... You know get a minimum wage job at a time like all my friends i have got made tons of exposure to entrepreneurship because i was promoting people doing drop shipping or amazon fba or info products coaching and all that exposure just opened up the doors to the online business world uh learned about it quite young and that gave me a lot of time to mess around and fail a lot and eventually find something that worked
0: see i didn't actually i mean i've known you for a couple of years but didn't actually realize you did theme pages as well i think a lot of entrepreneurial people have actually started out through that funnily enough apologies to interrupt your listening experience but i just wanted to jump in and say if you're enjoying this podcast so far i would really appreciate it if you went ahead and left a review on whatever platform you listen on by simply spending five or ten seconds to leave a review it helps us reach more people and grow the podcast which allows us to get better guests on and give you better content so If you're enjoying it, let me know with a review, much appreciated. Thank you for your support and enjoy the rest of the interview. What took you from there from finishing high school, doing uh, this online stuff to jumping into email marketing and, and cold email, what sort of spurred that on?
1: Yeah, sure. So even back when I had theme pages, the way I got all my clients was from cold email and cold DMs. I would just DM brands and email brands trying to sell them promotions. And back then I didn't even know what cold email was. And, you know, transitioned from there. I've had a couple marketing agencies. I had an e-commerce ads agency I was running for a while. Had a lead generation agency. And both of these agencies, I got all my clients from email. And funny enough, I found that ColdEmo always worked really well for me. I always found it to be kind of easy. But at the same time, my peers and friends, um, they were all struggling with email. And on the flip side, I really didn't enjoy Facebook ads or being managing ads. So I started running cold emails with some friends. they did really well and started running cold emails for more of acquaintances and more of just pure people that I'd met from prospecting. And so I my own cold email campaigns to get cold email clients. And fast forward to now, I've got a pretty decent sized team of around ten and about 50 clients where I'm managing their cold email campaigns. And majority of these people are BB businesses. So marketing agencies, SaaS companies, business brokers, consultants, really anybody high ticket B2B.
0: Yeah. So almost just out of trying a bunch of things. And then that was the one that clicked that everyone seemed to struggle with. And you found it easy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had some, you know, bits of success along the way. It wasn't my first business that did well, but it was my first business that did really well. And it'll probably be the first business that I properly access sometime in the future.
0: Yeah. It does seem like, cause I feel like everyone nowadays is trying to get into something like sexy, like TikTok ads or Instagram or Facebook ads or whatever. But, um, it seems like there's very few people doing, maybe that's just cause I'm not in that industry, but it seems like there's very few people going into like cold email and a lot of those like almost old school marketing things that just still work.
1: Yeah. There's, there's definitely less competition. I mean, Facebook ads are definitely a lot cooler. You could say, um, yeah, I mean like. Really, what I do does not sound exciting. I help B two B businesses acquire more sales meetings. With other mostly B two B businesses, it's not that exciting as opposed to doing Facebook ads for a highly visual fitness brand or clothing yeah. brand. Um, but it's definitely a need. And also, I love the B two B space because everybody has money. It seems like yeah. in the B two B space, so it's uh, the clients are much easier and much less desperate.
0: Yeah. And, and if the, I mean, if you're working with those clients and you're getting them results, like it's something where you can work with a client for six, 12, 18, like a long, long period of time. I'm sure you have pretty awesome, uh, retention rates with them.
1: Yeah. You get them and they're happy. Like once you get, once you get them, like when we bond born people, like our goal is to get them a client as fast as possible. then we know they're not going to leave.
0: Yeah. So, what like exactly are you doing with cold email for uh, people that are listening, like just literally just reaching out to potential customers on behalf of a client?
1: Yeah. So we have two things we offer to people. Um, the first one is cold email consulting where someone wants help just writing a script or how to do this themselves or how to build their own internal system to send out cold emails. We do some consulting work. And now this is not our main focus, but, uh, it's just kind of a case by case but the majority of people that work for, we do fully managed campaigns. This means that we have uh, a team that goes and finds a list of people that they want to reach out to. So first name, last name, email, position, you build targeted lists. So if you want to reach out to um, e-com brands in Australia, we go and find the CEOs of those brands. Uh, there, we go ahead and set up emails and get them ready for sending. they getting too techy or some things you need to do to your emails in order to not hit spam, so we set those up we write all of your cold email copy, into any marketing campaign. In our copy, we're doing lots of different campaign types, and also lots of split testing to figure out what copy is resonating. From there, we send these emails on behalf of prospects. And when somebody responds to a prospect's campaign, um, we send these emails on behalf of clients. And when, some, when a prospect responds to the client, we then go ahead and appointment set onto our their calendar. So for the client, we do everything. All they do is hop on meetings. Like we handle the finding leads, writing a copy, sending emails, appointment setting, uh, we try to make it as done for you as possible. Cause it's very easy for a busy agency owner to say, yeah, I can hop on calls, but ask them to do one of those other things. And you know, it's another thing in our daily routine.
0: Yeah, I definitely can, can see that happening. So like the first email you're sending out is just automated. And then after that, you're using a person to follow up and get someone on the call.
1: So we have sequences. So our cold email sequences, depending on how much the client has to say, meaning they have like lots of resources of free training, case studies, it varies. But normally we email every prospect between four to eight times. And then once they've responded, we then follow up with them manually. And once someone's responded positively, we follow up forever. So if someone has responded like, yes, let's talk, then they never respond when we send them a calendar, we never stop following up. Like it's literally forever we follow up.
0: Far out, okay. I, I better not respond to any, too many random emails then.
1: There you go. I don't think most people follow up. That's why they hire us because they, they wonder why they don't get meetings, but they follow up one time where it's it's um, it's amazing, even internally. We probably close 30 to 40% of our deals three months after first call because I just follow up forever. I'm still following up people from 2019 and 2020 and some things. Uh, Far out. No reason not to.
0: Yeah. I mean, they say the fortune is in the follow-up, but um, that definitely takes it to a new extreme. <laughs> just keep yeah. at it, I guess. Is, is this something that you think um, could be useful for any sort of business or do you do you think it works better or mostly with certain specific industries or niches?
1: Pretty much anybody high-ticket B2B can do well because the thing of emails, like everybody's on email, it's pretty easy to find them. So anybody selling a B2B services can work for, uh, even like some e-commerce brands it might make sense for. Like I had a call somebody the other day who manufactures um, protein shakers like you put your protein powder and shake it. And he was yeah. looking to sell it to gyms for retail. So even e can get in on cold email. Um, it does make the most sense for high ticket B2B, meaning over $1,000 B2B services, but there's definitely lots of opportunity for even lower ticket B2B. Um, it just might come as a loss leader. Like I do know some people who are promoting $10 a month SaaS companies on cold email. You're just gonna have a loss leader, but you would pretty much any other form of advertising for products, $10.
0: Yeah, well, software in general seems like it's one of those things where you lose a lot of money early on and just get it back in the long run. Um, what would you say, moving a little bit on from cold email to, I guess, agency owners in general, people who are or people who are trying to get into the agency world, start their own agency. What would you say would be your best advice um, for those people?
1: Outreach. I mean, I've worked with a lot of new agency owners. And I mean, the thing is most people fail to try to start an agency, it's just the nature, but it's a super low it's a super low level of entry point business. What I mean by like that is like any business that's easy to get into that have a very high fail rate because someone can just choose they wanna start an agency and get right into it. So I, that you know lowers the quality of people who could try to start. But on top of that, I think the reason that a lot of people do fail um, it's just like of outreach. I mean, I see people start agencies, they get obsessed with perfecting their offer and they get obsessed with writing a sales script and uh, their website and they just do all these things that don't lead to money. And in reality, if you don't know your offer, just go do a bunch of outreach and test different offers. Don't know your pricing, take a bunch of sales calls and test your pricing. So I think that really it's just more outreach and doesn't seem to be cold email. Instagram DMS, Facebook DMS, cold calls, drop-ins, flyers, mail, email, but you know, you can't expect to get any clients if you're not in front of anybody. And if you're just expecting people to come from organic or referrals, well, that's not predictable, especially when you're just starting. So I I think, I think outreach is really key.
0: Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense. A lot of people focus on the things that make it look good, a business card, a website, all of these different things, but Like you say, at the end of the day, it's outreach, and then deliver awesome results for those clients so they stick around um, and tell their friends.
1: The retention makes life so much easier if you have an agency.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Would you advise people to go for a a specific niche, or do you think it it matters less about the niche that an agency is going into? Um, Like, would you suggest people jump into TikTok, for example, like at the moment, saying that's quite a hot thing, or how do you approach that?
1: So pretty much anything that has worked for someone else can work for you. However, there's going to be some bit of a higher barrier of entry. A great example for this is I see so many beginners want to start a Facebook ads agency, but they just want to not learn Facebook ads, hire somebody on Upwork to do the work for them. And then they get frustrated when they see that Facebook ads for e-commerce is one of the hardest places to get meetings. Again, it's just due to the low barrier of entry, meaning lower quality person can come in very easily to the market. So, you know, like I would normally deter people from Facebook ads, but that's also assuming that the average person doesn't put in the time to actually learn ads, but it's hired out and they're not aggressive on outreach. Um, but at the same time, if somebody's a great media buyer, they're passionate about it, they're willing to put in the work, it can work. But in general, some of the hardest spaces i found are anything to financial services is really difficult. Anything Instagram ads, email marketing, Facebook ads, e-com really tricky one to get meetings in Um, another one. That's a bit tricky. is like lead gen to real estate or solar, just kind of the ones that people often jump into have more competition, but also that's because there's a lot of money there too. So I I don't think for beginners it might not be a good idea to go for those spaces because they're more likely to give up quicker Uh, because the sample sizes needed for success might be a lot different. Like if you're selling to say, you're selling ads to business coaches, it might take 50 people to reach out to to get a meeting or e-commerce especially if you don't have a great website and case studies so like all those things do matter for e-commerce it might be you know 300 people you need to reach out to set a meeting. so a lot of times beginners won't even do the bare minimum outreach reach to get one meeting um so yeah. there's I, I personally in terms of my favorites i love anything b2b i have not seen many who will do bad b2b selling to b2b businesses I think that normally B2B has much more budget than B2C. And also I think the people that run them are generally a bit easier to work with.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, the issue with, like you say, a low barrier to entry for certain niches, a lot of people go into it. And like you say, a lot of them aren't good at what they're doing. So if like all the gurus are saying, target real estate agents, a whole bunch of people go out there, target real estate agents, get bad results. And then these people think that, Facebook ads don't work or whatever doesn't work because they've been ripped off by three different agencies and now they're like really reluctant to actually give it a shot. Whereas if you go into something that I guess less people have targeted, you've probably got more chance of actually hearing back because people don't hate the industry.
1: Yeah, that's correct. And also you're less, you know, you're going from one out of 10 in someone's inbox compared to one of a hundred. And this can also yeah. change based on actually heard the video on this recently too for youtube uh, this can also change with some country so like let's say the real estate market you know obviously it's going to be super competitive in the united states but if you're german and you speak german and you're targeting german real estate agents in germany well there's probably not that much competition so it also depends on your location even like uh even if you're like say you're american only speaks english you can even target like the middle east the middle east is an awesome market super huge buying power economy is growing like crazy people speak english you know it's really easy to get a hold so you might be struggling to get a meeting for a, a realtor of the united states but if you just realize that you can just target the uae or qatar then you can be all sorted so a lot of people just don't think uh in terms of testing I and mean, they just kind of try one small sample size one test it doesn't work I and mean, then you kind of move on Um, When in reality, you got to be testing a lot of things, your copy, location, your targeting, your offer, uh, what your call to action is, and so on.
0: Yeah. So I guess to sum up your tips for agencies, it's almost just test everything and just be persistent as, and persistent and consistent. Just test, 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 and do it over a long period of time and you'll find out what works.
1: It it is kind of a funny thing to see marketing agencies fail to do testing for their own marketing. (laughs) Um, But Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) the irony is real. Um, now how do you go about running a business with 10 people? Like you said, you had about a team of 10, whilst also traveling the world. Like how do you, how do you manage all of that at, um, once do you, I assume you have certain systems or stuff in place.
1: Sure. So I have a CEO who handles a lot of attacking systems and his entire job is dedicated to building better systems for operations so i would say that we have more automation systems and sops in our business than probably 99.5 percent of the agency i've spoken to we have thousands of zaps running every month since eight year. we have up to 20 page sops for employees to know exactly what to do like we have everything super streamlined even like our service for clients like we do consulting as a custom offer, but in terms of are done for you offer like there it, you it's so streamlined. Everybody gets exactly the same thing in terms of not what we actually do for them in terms of copy and who are targeting, but in terms of the process they go through from onboarding to, you know, approving their copy to how, knowing how they get a meeting, you know, so these these systems and automations and SOPs have really helped with that. And um, on more of a that's on the business end on the personal end. I prefer and also slow travels much easier. I don't really go anywhere for less than like 90 days. And also, I find that more enjoyable. So, you know, I, I, back when I was younger, I was hopping countries like a month to month or week to week sometimes. That was really difficult to stay of work, where, you know, now, for example, I'm in Thailand for um, at least six months. It's going to be, and, you know, last year, I was in Mexico for like five months, Brazil for three, uh, Panama for like four. Uh, a few other countries, so I, I'm I'm moving much slower, which allows me to you know get into my routine. It's you know I, I know where the nearest gym is. I know what coffee shop I want to go to. I am um, I'm in a country long enough, funny enough to even buy like a desk. I, um, yeah. Not work the not work at the kitchen table.
0: Yeah, and I guess because you've 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 already been to Thailand and places like that before, so you're coming back as well to places that you know and understand, which I assume just makes it easier as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been in Thailand. I think it's my sixth time here. So not, not new. Yeah.
0: Worth worth going to then.
1: Yeah, I like it. It's a good spot for work.
0: Yeah. Where um, where would you say are your favorite places that you've been uh, as a digital nomad, I guess?
1: Sure. So I think there's two answers to that. There's ones that I've enjoyed visiting and ones that I've enjoyed working and living in. Um, I really enjoy <laughs> visiting, not, not for working. These are terrible places for work. I really enjoyed India and Bangladesh. was just overwhelming in every sense, from sights to smells to people to things to do. To just it just overstimulates you. That's super exciting. Also, the people are really great. So, for just like pure travel, love India, love in Bangladesh. Obviously, a lot more yeah. countries too, but those are probably up there my favorites. Um, in terms of living and working. I think my favorite is Mexico factoring the time zone because the one thing that does really True. annoy me about Thailand is the time zone. Like, for example, it's 9.58 a.m. right now. And if I look sleepy, I went to bed around 3.45 a.m. last night just to be awake for you know a lot of Eastern hours. So Mexico is awesome. I found parts of Mexico to be really safe, um, really cheap, really nice people, good food, great infrastructure, great Internet, easy time zone. Um, another place I like to work in Europe is actually in Prague czech republic a beautiful yep. city um really cheap you have all the all the beautiful architecture of other parts of western europe even though it's central um but of western europe but at 25 of the cost so that's a great place to live and work i really like thailand obviously however i will say that if you come here and your business revolves around sales meetings or team meetings or uh, client meetings it's something where you just have to be fully aware that your sleep schedule is not going to be what it, you want it to be
0: yeah, yeah, that's tricky. We're um out of we in Mexico. Did you say? Because you said there were specific places you've been that were awesome, yeah. um, that were safe, and so on. Where were where were they?
1: Sure. So I've been to four places in Mexico, and I can recommend two. I've been to Cancun, uh, Mexico City, a city which I will not pronounce correct, called Santiago de Queretaro, and uh, a city called Acapulco. Um, did not like Cancun. Acapulco was not safe at all, um, but. Mexico City and Santiago de Queretaro, I I spoke to Mexico City, actually. Um, Mexico City is, in my opinion, the most underrated city, one of the most underrated cities. It's the most underrated city I've been to, Uh, not the best city, um, most underrated. Like, for example, like London's probably the best city I've been to. But yeah, it's it's not underrated and maybe it's even overrated. It's still being the best. It's not so highly up. Um, But Mexico City is amazing. The infrastructure is just class. There's so many different, unique neighborhoods that keep it fun and vibrant. Um, the architecture is amazing. The food is really good. The government seems to actually slightly care about the safety of people in Mexico City, and it shows it's much safer, um, where I think that Mexico City is almost like a different country, if that makes sense. Um, yes. Because the people are much more middle, upper class, um, like a really strong middle class, actually. Uh, there's tons of police everywhere just in a sense of like it's safe. Um, lots of foreigners live there. Yeah, it's just it breaks all the bad molds of Mexico. There was obviously bad parts of it. It's a big city, same as New York City. Um, but if you know where you're going it's it's surprisingly safe and beat my beat what I expected to the point where it's somewhere that I think I might even eventually want to own an apartment and live for a few years
0: yeah interesting yeah i i hadn't heard people talk too highly about mexico city i hadn't really heard people talk about it at all everyone seems to go cancun and Playa del carmen and places yeah, like that i think that's mexico, that my but, favorite
1: <laughs> yeah
0: just too too many what too touristy sort of thing or
1: uh, it's just little america you're playing american prices to hang out with americans at american resorts it's like just just hang out in america i don't know yeah. i mean there's nothing wrong with it you really enjoy it but if you're looking for more of a cultural travel experience it's not cancun normally the people i see that go to cancun or tulum are people who want just a nice vacation and that's fine but not necessarily i mean not to get, keep traveling but people who consider themselves more vacationers and travelers or looking for more of like a fun experience than a cultural experience so it depends what your goals are. Um, if you want to, you know, go to a fun resort and party and hang out with other foreigners, uh, it's a great spot. Um, yeah. But for me personally, it doesn't match what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, you don't get to experience a new new place, new people, etc. Interesting. Yeah, not Was as there,
1: much. more diluted.
0: Yeah. Was there anywhere that you've been that you wouldn't recommend, that you wouldn't go back to, like aside from those two places in Mexico? I don't um, want to bash too many places, you, but just it's just interesting for, I guess, other people yeah, that want to yeah. travel, like places to go places not to
1: i like being a realist one thing i don't like is people who talk about travel and explain to every place like it's the nicest place in the world that's yeah. not true there's some places that kind of suck including in america to be fair though so like I, i'm not gonna pretend like america's the best place ever um i really dislike the country of panama as a whole i think the people aren't friendly i think the food's terrible it's, it's as expensive as america but with nothing to do i really yeah. dislike panama um, probably my least favorite country I've been to. Um Paris, I didn't like Paris. I felt to be really dangerous, overpriced, overrated. I got robbed when I was there. Um like Paris, not a fan of it. Panama, I just had a horrible experience there. Brazil's a, Brazil's an interesting one. I, Brazil's awesome and so exciting and so fun, but it is actually quite dangerous depending on where you're going. And it's kind of exhausting to always have to worry about like watching your shoulder like being super careful looking at your phone so brazil is a fun one um but i there's definitely i don't recommend people go to like rio de janeiro or like um, sao paulo bigger cities in brazil um I'm trying to think i didn't like paris panel wasn't that great um peru was fun but I also it feels super safe there parts of peru uh, yeah but yeah i, I Those are some of, like, the few native experiences I've had. I mean, I've had, like, random one-off native experiences, mostly in, like, big cities. Like, I've had some dangerous things happen in, like, even in Europe. Like, in London, I had a couple of dangerous things happen when I was living there. um, once in Belgium. Um, But in terms of, like, the only place I've been, like, fairly disappointed with, it's been, like, Paris and uh, Panama. Again, like, I've had some disappointing moments or, like, unnecessary danger, like I mentioned, Brazil and Peru. And, and again, obviously just in big cities in general, but yeah, those are the only two places where I've been like, I really just don't want to be here and don't want to come back.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I only spent, I, I went to Paris for about eight hours <laughs> on a stopover and thought it was absolutely beautiful, but definitely did feel, you did feel a bit on edge, and You sort of always did want to make sure you're pretty, pretty cautious with what I was doing, which yeah, like I yeah. said, I was only there for a short period of time, but yeah, beautiful city. It's definitely
1: safer in some yeah. spots, but just not my not my thing. Panama was the most fair bizarre one, though. Panama's as expensive, not more expensive than the United States, and uh, it's, just, so it's just a weird spot. Interesting.
0: Have you found that um, traveling's changed massively with COVID, or does it not affect you as much because you're not going somewhere for like a um, week and you're going there for a long it's time? It's so
1: annoying. It's so annoying. I, um, it really does ruin the, a lot of parts of the experience, to be fair. I think that would be yeah. unfair to pretend, like, it's just as fun as it was two years ago. Um, again, like, I try to be a realist of things. I feel like sometimes there's false positivity around everything. And while I do love traveling, it's massively annoying and unpredictable right now. Um, I'm in Chiang Mai for most of the year, probably cause I'm tired of moving. Um, yeah, You know, COVID tests are expensive. And let's say, like, COVID tests are, like, for, for someone who's just looking to travel, they need to understand that COVID tests are expensive. And let's say that you get a COVID test result where it's, like, inconclusive. You might miss your flight, have no refund, have to pay for more of a hotel stay, have to pay for another cover test and another flight. I mean, I've seen people ha- lose up to two to $3,000 by getting an inconclusive test where they lose their flight, no refund, have to wait for another test. It's just the nature of it. Or let's say a country closes its, co- changes its COVID restrictions. Maybe they um, they were allowing unvaccinated people and then they decide to not allow unvaccinated people. That could happen 12 hours before your flight. There is no refund. I've lost over $10,000 in travel expenses due to COVID, in terms of canceled oh, right. flights, missed flights, COVID tests. It's very hard to travel right now. It requires a lot of research too. I to get to Thailand, probably took about 30 hours of work, like 30 hours of additional work in terms of figuring out the new ins- the COVID insurance policies I have to carry. Figuring out the details of filling out additional paperwork related to COVID, um, figuring out how visas work during COVID, understanding everything is delayed due to COVID. Obviously, some places are even others. Like, by the way, Mexico, only country in the entire world, entire world, that doesn't require a COVID test to come. Just show up and spend your money. Um, so yeah. go to Mexico. But yeah, travel. Um, it's more of a logistical thing than a fun thing right now in terms of where to go. Like the re, the way I choose countries to go to is there's a website called canitravel.net. I don't even think, Oh, where do I want to go? Cause it doesn't matter. No one cares. Um, yeah. I think, where can I go? So I, uh, I plug in the restrictions. I travel with two people, my Thai girlfriend and my Brazilian uh, COO and business partner. So we get, yeah. we, it's a website where you plug in, where are you, your vaccination status and, um, where you want to go and your passport. And based off all four of those things, it'll tell you, like, what are the options? And I think between all three of us, because we all have different statuses and we have different passports when we're even sometimes we go different places and have to reconnect different countries, there's maybe like six countries we can choose from to go to together sometimes. Oh, so yeah. it's um short short answer. It's very fun. But you want to make sure you're planning that once you get in a country, you spend a lot of time there. Like, yeah. I popped my way into Thailand, but now I'm here for maybe a whole year. So it's fine. Um, but if I was doing this every month, it would just be mentally, emotionally, maybe even spiritually uh, draining <laughs> all the time.
0: Yeah, that just seems like such a struggle. And I think it's probably put a lot of people, including myself, off. I mean, I sort of didn't realize how much paperwork and like paying for COVID tests and all that was involved because New Zealand's just been pretty much shut off. Um, but like a friend of mine went to Australia for a business trip for like a few days and she had to get, I think she spent $200 on a COVID test leaving the country and then 300 coming back. So it's like, it was as much for COVID tests as it was for flights, um, to get so in and out. It's like ridiculous. Um, but I guess it just means you have to go places for longer, which I guess suits you. Or if
1: travel in your country. Like that's one thing too. It's like, I mean, if I was at home I have been to more countries than just states the United States. And I know a lot of people too have like taken this time to like actually explore their countries. You know, obviously yeah. it's case by case, person by person, but I mean that's probably the easiest route if you want to travel. You can be a digital nomad sure. you're in your own country. You know, I mean I think most people kind of neglect seeing their country because it's less exciting. I mean even me, like I I've been neglected seeing so much of the US, even though it's an amazing country. And um when I go back home at some point, that's, that's one of the things I want to be doing. I actually see my own country a bit.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. It's weird that it is that eh? because I feel like it is potentially partially due to social media, everyone, like if they post they're in Paris, everyone's like, oh my God, amazing. But if they post it are uh, you know, if a few hours drive away, it's like seen as less cool or less exciting or whatever, yeah. even though it might be a much better experience
1: there's, there's definitely a lot of people who are highly influenced by things like that.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, so i start to wrap this up. What would you say would be your best advice if you could give to your younger self, like when you were starting out, starting out growing theme pages, even on Instagram, uh, advice going forward that would have saved you a lot of time?
1: I'll, I'll give one piece of advice, that I would give to a younger person my position, but luckily I managed to do myself and then one piece I hadn't done. So the first one is outreach. Like the reason, the only reason I'm here right now is my dumb little 15 year old self managed to figure out that I need to get in front of people in order to sell what I had. So that was outreach. Like if you, if you have an e-commerce store, you're not going to, you're not going to sell anything if no one sees it. If you have a B2B business, you're not going to sell anything unless anybody knows about it. Like outreach is just such a good skill to have. And you can literally sell anything the rest of your life with outreach. So outreach is great. Um, The thing that I didn't do, but I wish I had done, which probably would have propelled my success way more, is focus. I um, was a notorious scatterbrain and still am, but I manage it. So I'm a managed scatterbrain now, but before I was an unmanaged scatterbrain, meaning I would start like 10 different ventures at once. And have like no time for any of them so if i think that focus is much less exciting um but you look at anybody who does super well uh with the exception of elon musk who manages to do everything um most of them are all focused into like one thing or maybe expand the two when one of them's already really big and successful
0: that's that's a great point i think even with like elon musk and that i don't think people realize that they've got a huge amount of people working for them. So uh, they yeah. are just coming up with ideas. They don't have to write the emails, build the product. Yeah, it's like, leverage. Yeah. that sort of just thinking and then other people go and actually do it for them. What, um I guess, what's one thing you want to do more of moving forward? What's the plan?
1: Business or personal life?
0: I guess a bit of, bit of both. Like, do you want to travel more or are you looking to slow things down or?
1: Yeah. So, um, one thing that's, I, I am slowing things down as of now. One thing I've not really had the ability to is do hobbies when I travel, um, because most hobbies require stuff, which I don't have room for. So like being yeah. settled down here a bit, I've gotten a lot of things that may sound really goofy, but I'm really enjoying. Like I have a bicycle, I have a basketball I have to play basketball. Yeah. And that sounds so goofy. I have a chess set been learning chess. I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle, so I impulsively bought three motorcycles that I've been learning how to ride. Um, and uh, yeah, some just like bigger items related to hobbies. So I'm, personal on a personal note, I'm just doing some hobbies for once, because like, before it was all travel and business, but I loved it, but it's like, it's nice to really go to the basketball courts and play basketball or like ride a bicycle, things like that, because it's difficult when you're moving around um so that's on a, on a personal level I'm, I'm just trying to take more time for hobbies that i couldn't previously done um on a business level i'm really working on like we're so huge on systems automations sops i'm working on even more trying to get myself out of the business this is a business i want to exit I, I do want to exit it in sometimes maybe a year to two years so my kind of game plan with that is um build it to the point where it's more it's just continually becomes more of a machine so it's more marketable to sell and this whole time, I'm building my personal brand. So, kind of a roadmap is I'm going to be introducing an info product, probably somewhere between uh, two to six months from now, and use the agency obviously, as social proof and as my um, as where I get my information and where I find new findings um, to put into the course. And then at some point, exit the course and kind of keep more in the info route. Um, because as of right now, I'm I you know you go through periods of working a lot, and I'm definitely in one of those periods where it's 12 to 14 hours a day not super sustainable how fast we're growing, so that's kind of idea uh remove me uh add an info for more scalability exit the agency in a year to two years play they kind of keep on the info route and also i found that i really like high ticket corporate consulting so keep on the info product route for more of like younger entrepreneurs and then you do more of like high ticket corporate consulting work um
0: on the side that makes sense and that's that's a good way to do it i feel like as well for people to learn from um someone that's actually doing it like someone that's got a business and is teaching it as opposed to someone just teaching it um you can yeah. find a lot more i haven't started
1: the teaching yet but i've done the doing so i just kind of yeah. added the teaching after seven years
0: yeah th- that's a good way to go about it though um <laughs> i think a lot of people don't so Never if people want way. to yeah if people want to find more of your info, more of your content, um, or potentially even work with your business, where can they find all of that? I'll link anything down below.
1: Sure, so if anybody's interested in working with my agency, done three meetings to get more sales calls for w 2 business, it is www.dfymeetings.com. If anybody wants to connect with me personally um, on YouTube, I'm Michael Gardner. If you look up Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Gardner, G A R D I N E R, I've been type entrepreneur at the end, um, that will pull up my YouTube channel. I'm not quite big enough to rank for Michael Gardner, but I do rank for Michael Gardner Entrepreneur. So, uh, there you go. I'm sure Josh will have a link, uh, or on Instagram, Michael R Gardner um, or on Instagram, Michael R Gardner. So feel free to connect with me at either of those places.
0: Yeah. I'll link those down below The I think bad side of having a generic name like myself is you have a lot of competition to rank for on search engines. Um, There's and you a also do TikTok-
1: football player. I'm competing with. Ah,
0: yeah, there's like some big TikTok guy that's got the same name as me, uh, which is annoying. Nice. Awesome, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I really appreciate it. I think there was a lot in there regarding systems, cold email, uh, and traveling whilst doing so. So yeah, really appreciate you having you on. I'll link all of those, that stuff down below. If people want to check you out, uh, find out more on your business. And um, yeah, thanks for coming on.
1: Sweet, thanks for having me Josh, appreciate it.